Hey listeners, grab my Terry folds and look at my fucking hand because today we're discussing Season 3, Episode 6, Rest and Ricklaxation. Before we begin, I just want to mention that there may be spoilers for any episode up to and including this one, so, um... Spoiler alert, you fucking assholes. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Let's insult the audience. Why not? Let's get started. I'm Joe. I'm Brandon. And I'm Toby. Alright, first off, what did you guys think of the episode? It was great. Yeah, this episode was excellent. They are continuing to follow the trend of the episodes just keep getting better and better. Although, there was no Risotto Groupon in this one. R.I.P. This episode totally lived up to the excitement we had from the promo. What's funny is, last week, Toby, you were saying we're expecting it to be relaxing, so they're gonna subvert that and it's not gonna be relaxing at all. When I was editing it, I was thinking we're obviously expecting it to not be relaxing, so they're gonna subvert that, and they kind of did that. Oh my god, it's a subversion of the subversion. Because it was too relaxing for Rick and Morty. And that was so fucking unexpected where it's just like, we're the toxins, we're what got removed. I was just sitting there with my mouth open for about 15 seconds. So I thought this episode's level of science fiction was significantly above average. I really liked the fact that they worked in kind of a Rick and Morty style moral, which is, it's almost an anti-moral. It's pretty standard for Rick and Morty at this point that the moral we learn is not the one we wanted to know. Probably the other best example of an episode with a lopsided moral was the Mr. Poopy Butthole episode with the memory parasites, where the moral is essentially real friends aren't perfect, and if they actually are your friends, you're going to have bad memories of them. But this episode's moral I thought was really interesting, just the fact that we aren't real without our imperfections. And who's to say that being perfect is even something we'd want? Perfection for Morty was just becoming a cokehead. Oh god, Morty was such a douchebag in this episode. Good god. (laughs) Morty flew away and was just saying, you're a better man than me, Rick. I'm healthy enough to admit that. (laughs) (laughs) That kid is a piece of shit. Yep. Oh, and then other Morty died. I assume he just got sucked into that little syringe thing, right? I mean, based on earlier in the episode, it seemed like the syringe only sucked enough of the DNA to recreate the life form, not actually sucking the whole thing. Yeah, but Rick was fine with that. Well, of course he was fine with that because he's Rick. But I think that's why at the end when Toxic Morty was dying and asking regular Rick to save him, the regular Rick was just saying, part of me really wanted to, implying that he would let him die. Yeah, you're probably correct. Before we get too deep into analysis, joke of the episode. Hmm. I mean, this one is kind of obvious, but the Chuck E. Cheese thing where the kids start beating the shit out of the mouse and stabbing him to death at the kids' party, and then they turn back to normal and just start crying. That was amazing. That was some vintage, I don't know about cosmic horror, but... Vintage Royland. Just as grotesque and horrifying as possible. It was funny as shit, though. I'm not entirely sure what my joke of the episode is, because there were a lot of good ones, but guess I'm going to go with the moment where Morty says to the hot redhead, I've been lying to you this whole time and she says you mean you're not a 14 year old who's been blessed with overwhelming confidence and he said oh yeah i guess i was pretty honest about that Okay, so the joke that I'm thinking of that I missed on the first viewing was when Healed Rick 
pulls healed Morty out of school and he's talking to him about how he suspects that their toxic personalities are real and Morty is trying to deflect it and just says you know what we need Rick some urban spin yoga it's when you do yoga on a bicycle and get an at-risk preteen and then he gets cut off <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that it was really funny get an at-risk pre- I want to know where that's going I'm sure it went to a super dark place in the writer's room I think it's much funnier if you don't know where it went oh also I think it's important to mention Toxic Morty. I brought the tank. I'm a piece of shit, but I still brought the tank. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that's another amazing joke. Just my voice is annoying. Yeah, and that's your best quality, Morty. I know. It's so funny to see a caricature of Morty. Caricature of Rick is just a bastard, but Morty is really fucking funny. All right, so hang on, let me uh, add the sound effect. I think we should discuss the qualities in Rick and Morty that each one thinks makes them toxic. What does Rick's brain categorize as toxic, and what does Morty's brain categorize as toxic? Let's start with Rick. One thing that kind of confused me was which Rick actually loves Morty, because it seems to me that both kind of loved him. Detox Rick said he was proud to be Morty's grandfather, but later he says, I don't give a fuck if Morty dies, therefore you do. I found that interesting. It makes sense that Rick's view of health is not giving a shit about people, that his emotions for him are painful, and therefore he would want to purge them. Because, I'll admit it, I used to think that way, that I would be much happier in the absence of my emotions. So, Rick lists off some of the things that are within Toxic Rick, which are narcissism, entitlement, crippling loneliness, irrational attachments. And the other things I notice are tendency to overthink things when he's angry, a propensity for revenge, wrath, and just the tendency to act completely irrationally. Like, rather than merge back with Rick, Toxic Rick believes himself to be the true Rick, and that he would be so much further ahead of non-Toxic Rick. When in fact he isn't at all. I don't think either one is. The interesting moral is, first of all, our imperfections are what make us human. And second of all, we are in no way qualified to judge what makes us toxic and what doesn't. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting too. This is the weirdest thing to relate it to, but it's like the very obscure story, Hawthorne's The Birthmark. The story itself is kind of dull because it seems like the guy started with the moral and then lazily built a story around it. But the point is, it's this scientist with a beautiful wife. She's perfect in every way except for one birthmark on her face. And he convinces her to get it removed because it's the one thing that's in the way of her beauty and he gets rid of the birthmark and the second it fades she dies and the moral is that our imperfections are the footholds by which our souls hang on to us i thought the moral was don't get surgery in the 1700s that could have been another moral i didn't do that (laughs) close a reading on it but i'm sure every reading of a story is valid why not thank you for giving some credit to my explanation which did not deserve any if i didn't give it credit then everything we've ever said on this podcast is objectively wrong because i'm sure most of our analyses are just utter bullshit there are a couple of other things rick's burping and drinking stops when he's in his detoxified state and one other thing rick loses is his ability to fight well not exactly he doesn't lose his ability to fight he just doesn't want to harm anything essentially detoxified rick is as stoic as possible he's not willing to spend effort to save the planet in the face of armageddon he doesn't think it's his place he doesn't want to fight toxic rick even though toxic rick is clearly a threat and needs to be dealt with he's 
he's he's just as capable as as old Rick. He's just not as willing to to you stuttery cunt. Go on. I have shit to do today. Um, what was I saying? Uh, Toby, de- Jesus. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Detoxified Rick is not less capable of fighting. He's just less willing to do it. He doesn't want to cause harm to anyone, even if that person is Toxic Rick, who's objectively a horrible threat to the world. I don't think that he is unwilling to hurt people. I think he lost some fighting spirit, but he's absolutely willing to shoot Toxic Morty. Old Rick would have just in a second dealt with the threat and not thought anything of it. The new Detoxified toxified Rick only deals with the threat when it's absolutely necessary. Now, one other interesting thing is that both Rick and Morty adopt the sense of letting the universe do what it wants as opposed to taking fate into their own hands. When it comes to Rick, his first reaction to toxic Rick being out there is he deserves just as much of a right to his own life as I do, which is an insane position to take when it comes to toxic Rick. It's a sort of extreme version of everyone has a right to form their own opinion. In the case of toxic Rick, if his his opinion is going to lead him to try and fuck up the world, obviously he does not have a right to that opinion. Morty seems to care about what Toxic Rick is going to do, but he doesn't seem to care when he gets captured and Rick's about to re-inject him with Pathetic Morty. He just seems to be like, alright, I'll take it. In fact, if you rewatch that scene, I would say that it's arguable that Detoxified Morty didn't hang up the call on purpose just so he would go back to normal Morty? It's not arguable, it's 100%. I disagree. He's completely calm when he finds out, oh, you didn't hang up the call, and he's like, huh, how about that? He's completely ready to go. He's calm, but I don't think that means he's ready to go. I think it means he's okay when he makes mistakes. Toxic Morty is self-deprecating to the extreme, which means that non-toxic Morty is the exact opposite of that. He's just like, all right, I made a mistake. Whatever, people make mistakes. He seemed accepting of what was going to happen. I maintain that he was in favor of it. But why would he be in favor of it when he has a woman who he seems to love and this stockbroker apartment, American psycho, Wolf of Wall Street life? Because there's more to life than just money, Joseph. Yeah, but douchebag Morty did not seem to think that. Other than whatever at-risk preteen stuff, there's that to life. There's organic carrots and god he's such a fucking douchebag he's organic (laughs) (sighs) fucking a when i worked for instacart i would just hate anyone who was like i need organic don't buy it if it's not organic. go fuck yourself you can't (laughs) tell the fucking difference i could write organic on the packaging sharpie and you'd be like these taste fine joseph i have a detoxifier over here that i think you need i probably do (laughs) are you kidding this would be detoxified joseph it is his personal ideal to just be mad at everything that may be but i don't think it's healthy i just accept that's the way i am are we officially moving on to the next thing what would toxic brandon and toby and whatever be like you couldn't think of my name there yeah i don't know who you are the fuck out my podcast one other thing i want to bring up though non-toxic morty seemed to have abandoned love when he's on the phone with jessica at the very end he says you don't miss me you miss the old me someone that loved you so much you never had to love him back I found it interesting that Morty viewed love as a toxic emotion within himself. It makes sense to me. He is a young person, and it seems that in general, his view of being non-toxic is more or less not giving a fuck. Oh yeah, that was another amazing joke when Mr. Goldenfold is like, Well, Morty, normally I'd be mad that you sassed me, but this seems to represent a positive change for your character, so I'm all for it. This actually leads me to ask another question. If Morty had not grown up with 
Rick as his quote-unquote role model, would Morty have still been as inclined to consider the ideal version of himself as one who completely disregards emotion and empathy? Is how you view your own toxicity modular? Can you change it? Well, the answer to the second question is yes. What we view as a negative quality in ourselves today can very easily become a positive quality in ourselves tomorrow. We can make our negative qualities work for us. But in response to the first one, I think that comes from Morty. I think that emotions often feel like a burden. And going back to my point that people don't actually know what they want, it makes sense to me that someone, particularly someone who's young, would have the rationale that, well, if I get rid of my negative emotions, I won't have to deal with them. They'll be gone. But what he doesn't realize is it removes morality and accountability and all that kind of stuff. I think Rick's version of his non-toxic self is significantly healthier than Morty's, but I also think that the only reason that's true is because Rick is older. He has more experience, even if he doesn't have much experience dealing with his own emotions, he does on some level know what an emotionally healthy person is. Alright, should we move on to our different toxic personalities? Sure. Let's discuss what each of us think the other's toxic self would be like. Let's start with Toby. I am so ready. Can Toby, he... if he went through the detoxifier, his toxic self would just be the biggest piece of shit in the universe <laughs> in terms of... He already kind of does this where he likes to fuck with people, doesn't give a fuck how inconvenienced they are. He was about a week ago arguing with me over, he was like, if I was rich enough to buy you a new house, so I just burn yours down and buy you a new one, would you be mad? And I say yes, and then he starts arguing why I shouldn't be mad at him burning <laughs> my hypothetical house down. In my defense, there was a little more to that. I was saying, what if I created an exact perfect replica of your current house? I would still have to move. I would still live in fear that you're going to burn my house down again. <laughs> It doesn't make it okay. You can live in fear of that right now. <laughs> I do live in fear of that because Toby is slightly constrained by morals, but sure as shit, not enough. <laughs> Brandon? If Toby went through the detoxifier, detox Toby would know what his goals and dreams are and have the willpower and attention span to accomplish them. <laughs> On the other hand... I laugh because it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, Toxic Toby would just be the textbook definition of the word distraction. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'd be the textbook definition of an earworm. He would just wiggle his way in and just prevent you from ever doing anything. But pretty much all he would say would be testicle, anus, or AIDS. For our listeners, <laughs> Toby calls me Josephesticle, and he calls Brandon Brandesticle. This is true. <laughs> I deny nothing. <laughs> he saw Doc and Marty, which is the original Rick and Marty. Ah, now we're discussing it. Awesome. And he said chapped bloody testicles, which is a line from that, so many times that his roommates thought he was just a blank person before he had seen that. <laughs> he mutters chapped bloody testicles like a schizophrenic person, just chapped. It genuinely concerns me. Like in the tone that you hear an old guy complaining about immigrants. Yeah, and sometimes he says things with no memory. I was having...
having a serious conversation. We were trying to write a script, and I said a very long sentence with some points about a character that ended with the word denial. And all he said was AIDS Nile. And then admitted he didn't listen to it at all. I love how this question is literally just open the door slightly so you two could fucking air your entire grievances with me as a person. Oh, this is the entire grievances. I don't have the time for that. (laughs) We have unlimited hours on SoundCloud now. We just bought that. We don't have enough hours on SoundCloud to get through all of our grievances with you. Relax, Joseph Esticle. (laughs) Fucking Christ. (laughs) And now, Joseph. I mean, this is relatively short. Joseph would literally just be Toxic Morty. (laughs) That's the whole thing. Actually, no, that's not the whole thing. He would also be just an aggressive piece of shit. I'm not aggressive. I'd be more like, well, I guess this isn't my question, so go for it. For our listeners, Joseph is kind of like a walking puppy. He has no concept of how much strength he does or doesn't have. So sometimes when he's slightly annoyed with you, he'll pretend to sort of hit you, but will completely miscalculate it and end up hitting you in the face. It would be like that times a billion. In my defense, I haven't done that in a very while. I would absolutely be without confidence. You don't get to decide how you would be as toxic, Joseph. This is up to Brandon and I. He would just be a bile duct that makes everyone around him offended. Mixed with self-deprecation to a fault. Joseph would just be a stream of anger. Imagine the cover of the King Crimson album, which just has a guy screaming. I guess in a sense, Joseph would be a mixture of both Rick and Morty's toxic personalities. He would have all the rage of Rick, but all of the confidence of Morty. So he would be perpetually just angry at at every single thing in the universe, but also hate himself and think he's a piece of shit. I think Brandon would essentially be... He'd be significantly less funny, I think. Toxic Brandon would answer every single possible question completely seriously and condescend you when you disagreed, (laughs) even though he has no knowledge of what he's saying. Uh, I, uh, I'm with you there. (laughs) Mixed in with plenty of dick measuring about how much he can drink and how much weed he smokes, and you're also not really like this. He's not, because the person on this podcast is normal Brandon. His toxic elements would be Sterling Archer. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, see, this is toxic Brandon speaking. Should we go through a part where we compliment each other? No, I'm just kidding. We don't have anything there. We would all be pieces of shit, that's for sure. I can prove it mathematically, too. This has been a long time coming. Wow, it's pretty incredible how long you guys shat on me for. I'm proud of you. I'm glad that Brandon and I are mostly in agreement of, it was so easy to come up with shit for you. It's just, you are a fucking gnat. (laughs) You are an itch that we can't scratch. You are a mosquito bite. I look at you, not as a friend, but as a family member I hate, but I'm unfortunately stuck with you. That makes me happy that you're trapped. See, this is what I'm talking about. (laughs) The thing is, I think that non-toxic Toby would just be a completely emotionless drone, because Toby is toxic Toby. (laughs) Oh no, his call suddenly dropped. Whose call? Toby's. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we have to do the entire podcast without him and edit him out from all prior parts. Why are you doing this bit? You're not going to include it. 
Why did Rick slap Morty? This is a really small thing. This is just something I didn't understand. What was the deal with that? Right after Toxic Rick and Morty take the toxic thingy and go to the top of the evil tower so they can toxify the world, Rick and Morty are talking. Rick says, eh, let him do what he wants. And then Morty slaps Rick. And then Rick slaps Morty. I didn't get what the point of that was. Rick was just trying to test whether or not hurting Morty would elicit an emotional response in himself. And if it didn't, which he realized, it didn't, then that means that all the emotional attachment that he had for Morty was contained in Toxic Rick. Oh, that makes perfect sense. That was an easy one. Oh yeah, one really small thing I have to bring up. When Jessica's on the date with Morty, her phone is dead. Charge your phone, Jessica. Don't go outside the house if your phone isn't charged. You'll die of boredom. Why is this? I don't know why it annoyed me. It's for the same reason that it annoys me when I see a screenshot of somebody's phone and that phone is on like 2% battery. It just hurts me. We know what Toxic Rick and Toxic Morty look like. What would Toxic Beth, Toxic Summer, and Toxic Jerry be like? And also, what would their detox counterparts be like? Toxic Summer would definitely be similar to Summer from the most recent episode, where she gets all insecure about her boyfriend leaving her for another girl with big boobs. I think she would be like that, just even worse. I think so too. I think she would be not dissimilar to Toxic Morty, not the same, but a lot of crying and insecurity, a lot of attempting to run away from her problems, a lot of attempting to find quick fixes to her problems, and lots of action with little thought behind it. She would try to do something with turquoise. I also think that Detox Summer would be much more confident, but also more elitist. A classic popular girl. Remember in the last episode of season one with the party, she was a dick to Nancy. She's like, I want to be cool, so you're not cool. Get out of the party. Go run away with Abradolf Linkler. I think she would be more elitist. She would think she's too good to talk to certain people. Because I think her view of toxicity is everything that holds her back from being a, quote, cool kid. What about Toxic Jerry? Toxic Jerry would be similar to Slug Jerry from the Tiny Rick episode. I wrote that down word for word. I think Detox Jerry would probably be... I imagine Jerry with his own face on his shirt. <laughs> Just patting himself on the back. I think we got a glimpse of detoxed Jerry in the last episode when at the end Rick asked hey do you want to come in for dinner and Jerry just says no if the family sees me like this they'll just think I'm pathetic and being pathetic is no longer my signature move. I wonder if he would be an actor like he was in the first multiverse TV episode or if he would be a successful advertising agent because that's what he does now minus the successful part and the employed part but I figure if he had more confidence he could sell things. Salesmen do don't need to sell a good product, they just need to be really charismatic. And I think a detox Jerry could do that. Now, here's a question. Do you think he would still love Beth if he was detoxified? I think he would. He probably just wouldn't be an annoying piece of shit about it. Brandon, your thoughts or lack thereof? I honestly don't think he'd stay with Beth if he was detox, because I think Jerry detox would have the self-confidence and self-assurance to know that he would find someone else. Probably. I figure Beth and Jerry are codependent, as has been said many times throughout the show. But if one of them lost their flaws and the other didn't, they would no longer be codependent. Lastly, but not leastly, what do you think a toxic and non-toxic Beth would be like? 
I truly don't know, because the way the machine works is it only removes something if you have categorized it as toxic, and I don't think Beth is emotionally healthy enough to have categorized her relationship with Rick as toxic. So I think she might be more confident that her father loves her, and prouder of being a horse surgeon. I disagree, because if you ask regular Morty, what do you think about yourself as toxic, it's not necessarily something that you would consciously think of. Because detoxified Morty is a complete psychopath, and regular Morty definitely values empathy and caring about people, even though it kind of hurts him. I think what he viewed as toxic is all the insecurities and all the self-doubt. What he didn't realize is that removing all of that stuff would make him an asshole, and he'd become a stockbroker piece of shit. I can't explain what it was about Morty that made me hate him so much in this episode, but it was clearly intentional, and they did a very good job. Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, this episode was written by Tom Kaufman, who wrote the season one finale and the Get Schwifty episode. First of all, that explains why the, have you ever gotten peed on? Oh my god, yum! Why that joke was so similar to the Bukake joke from the season one finale. I feel Tom Kaufman's episodes are very hit or miss. He also did M. Night Sham Aliens, but this episode was definitely a hard hit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Brandon? I agree. There's really no thoughts to add. Man, this is a great podcast today. It could be that this episode's really good, and therefore there isn't much to say on it, but I thought we'd get a lot of mileage out of who Rick and Morty are, because this episode digs deep into their emotion. And last week, Brandon, you were saying the episodes so far have been spelling out what the characters are feeling, in that Rick turns to Jerry and says, this is why I don't like you, as opposed to just showing it like they have in the past. I think this is a good showing episode. We're shown how the characters feel about themselves. 100%. This episode is one of the first ones of the season and it didn't just spoon-feed us what they're trying to tell us about the main characters. Well, last week they breastfed it to us, but yeah. Go fuck yourself. It was a Risotto Groupon joke. Don't you hate on Risotto Groupon? <laughs> oh, I wasn't hating on Risotto Groupon. I was hating on you. I have no response to that. Rick and Jessica show up to retox Morty at the end. What are Jessica's feelings about Morty? We know what Rick's feelings are. He goes through great lengths to deny the fact that he loves Morty, but we know he does. How do you guys think Jessica feels about Morty? I think she wants him as a presence. I think she wants him to be the person who he is in present. He does play a role in her life, it's just not the one of her true love. I never expected her to have any sort of emotion towards Morty. It's interesting, and I'm still not sure if she does, because clearly Rick drunk-dialed her a lot. Yeah, that's not weird at all. God, that would be so weird to get a drunk dial from a guy in your class's grandfather. But she did end it with, hey Morty, it's good to have you back. So I wonder if they're going to develop a friendship. And I think they already do have a form of friendship. I just don't think Morty is ever going to be what Jessica wants. And at some point, he'll come to terms with that. I thought this episode was instrumental in demonstrating that it's not that Morty's in love with her. It's just that he's young and insecure and she's what he knows. It spelled it out a little more clearly. I know what you mean. At least I have the tendency, if there's someone I like, I'd be like, this is the only person for me. And then if they reject me, it's like, after a while, I see someone else. I'm like, all right, that's the only person for me. And you think my brain would get the pattern, but it doesn't. Toxic Joseph ruining everything! This makes you human, Joseph. I mean, I can't speak for human, I can only speak for me. I'm barely human, after all. Shut the fuck up. Yes, sir. <laughs> so there isn't much to go off on this promo. Really, all we know is that they're going to Atlantis. 
As of this episode, if I'm not mistaken, we have used up all of the images from the trailer. So we have nothing to go on for this next episode other than they're going to Atlantis. Who knows? This new episode is called Tales from the Citadel, so... Unbelievable tales. I mean, the Citadel of Ricks could come back. I don't think that's where this is going. If it's called Tales from the Citadel, you know how every so often Futurama would do a what-if machine episode, which was three miniature stories rather than one big one? They could be doing something like that. Or it's a pun on fish tails, because mermaids in Atlantis. Sounds kind of convoluted to me. How is that convoluted? Brandon? Oh, it's not even just convoluted. It's downright stupid. Thank you. Next week, it's going to be just me on the podcast, because Brandon and Toby will both be dead. Toxic Joseph! Thank you for listening. This has been the Daily Squanch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast, presented to you by Pancake Pug. If you have questions or theories you'd like to share, if you have suggestions on how we can improve the podcast, or if you'd like to teach me how to love again, you can find us on YouTube or Twitter at PancakePug, or on our website, PancakePugProductions.com. Love again? When did you ever know how to love? The Daily Squanch will return on September 17th, two weeks from now, to discuss Rick and Morty Season 3, Episode 7, Tales from the Citadel.